Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I am Jake Mastriani, and I will be your host for episode number 11. This will... Uh, be our spring training preview episode and joining me as always is alan carpenter good wintry mix evening and fred owens welcome from texas guys it is you know by the time this podcast goes up which will likely be in the next couple of days the braves will most likely be taking the field for an actual game and you know that's obviously exciting to to see the guys get on the field i know a lot of the regulars won't be playing first couple or the first week or so but uh, it'll be nice to see the Braves actually on the field and, and playing some games. And I'm I'm excited to, to see that. You know, I've been loving the videos of live BP that uh, the reporters and writer, beat writers have been posting on, on social media and uh, hearing the stories about everybody being in the best shape of their life and, and ready to go. Uh, it's always a, a fun and optimistic uh, time of the season. Before we get into... Uh, brave stuff was there any other news or, or notes around the league that that some of you have seen or heard of that you wanted to to talk about i know there's been a lot of injury news obviously the braves had the cole hamels news but fred i'll start with you any other news that intrigued you well i was sort of sorry to hear uh, uh carrasco uh, indians uh he turned up at camp two days ago worked out said my knee hurts a little bit went home came back the next but next day on crutches um, he went for an MRI today. I don't have any any uh, outcome of that. Maybe they'll release something more, maybe not. But uh, he fought his way back from the leukemia thing. Uh, now he's down for this. That makes their uh, rotation pretty thin. They, they now are using somebody like namely Logan Allen, who had uh, uh, 27 innings last year, eight of them in relief with a six ERA. And... Uh, so and he's only projected to have a four. He that's his sole limit. And uh, the other guy, um, Aaron Savali, he he did okay last year. He had a 2.34 ERA and 57 innings. But these guys are young and volatile, and it makes you wonder what would happen. What will the Indians? How long will the Indians hold on before they start their rebuild that they have to have? Will they move uh, Lindor or uh, someone else? from their from their list uh, Ramirez or somebody to uh, restock and and start all over again I don't know whether they will or not but uh, that's the one thing I heard uh, yeah and you, I certainly you know hate to hear that about Carrasco no he's been through a lot but yeah you, you're right I mean it does make you wonder you know how much longer before the Indians maybe start to try to rebuild you know I wrote an article earlier this week talking about Braves players that that could be traded and I, I mentioned Dansby because, you know, if he gets out to a slow start, um, you know, perhaps the Braves, you know, look to move him and maybe they look to Lindor or, you know, he's had injury history in the past. If he suffers another injury, then maybe the Braves uh, look to bring in Lindor. Maybe, you know, the Indians, you know, if they get out of the gate slow and they keep, you know, piling up the injuries in their pitching staff as well, then, you know, maybe it does uh, motivate them to, to start the rebuild. But 
Uh, Alan, your thoughts on that or any other news around the league? Well, it was kind of funny that I was just thinking that it's kind of harkens back to, I think it was 2012 or 2013. I can't remember the year exactly when we had uh, Chris Medlin and Brandon Beachy go down in consecutive days. Now, those weren't the same kind of injuries, clearly. this It's both knees with uh, Clevenger and Carrasco at this point, uh, and therefore they – probably will be pitching this year. Well, I'll say it that way, but still, when you lose your number one and two guys out of the rotation, that's a big blow. And at this time of year, you can't just go out and get an Irvin Santana because he's not available. Nobody like that is out there on the free agent market. Still all those kind of guys been locked up already. So I think the Indians are kind of in a world of hurt. If they get really behind, and this could certainly set them behind for a month or two at least, I don't think there's any way to catch the White Sox or the Twins for them. So, yeah, I, I do think that they need to at least consider circling the wagons and, and start the inevitable rebuild there. But that that that's at least the Indians. The, the thing I heard that I thought was kind of interesting was a couple of things out of Philly's camp. We learned yesterday uh, that JT Real Muto lost his arbitration case. He's going to make 2.4 million less than he had hoped. I think the Phillies got him locked up now at $10 million for this year. And he had asked for 12.4 or something like that kind of as a test case for catchers because of the notion that catchers had been undervalued in the arbitration process and maybe in contracts in general and kind of wanted to see if they, that he could push the envelope a little bit. I guess the arbitrator decided, hey, precedent is precedent. You can't do this, and we're not going to give you this kind of an award here. So the Phillies got a break, but they still don't have him locked up after this year. And there's been some discussions about doing a long-term extension with him, and apparently he's open to that. But now i got to wonder if not getting his award this year may color his opinion on whether he wants to do that or not particularly if Philadelphia wants to use this new figure as a baseline for their negotiations. It wouldn't be a contract for this year because they are up against the salary cap or luxury tax threshold, excuse me, and I don't know that they really want to exceed that, but that's 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 one piece of info. Second thought was that uh, Bryce Harper was getting behind the guys that uh, the Phillies are going to use at third base and suggesting that they don't need Chris Bryant, his buddy. And that was a little surprising too, but at the same time, I, I was already writing that off under the notion that they didn't have any money to to spend to pay him anyhow, nor the prospects to really go get him. So I'm not sure that that was a piece of real news or not, but I did think it was kind of interesting that he spoke that to the media. Yeah, so certainly um, a lot of stuff going on outside of, of Braves camps that's interesting, but there were a couple of things that happened in Braves camp this week that I think were worth mentioning. We don't really have to get into them, but uh, obviously with all the players reporting the camp and everybody getting their thoughts out on the Astros scandal, uh, one that really stuck out and, and uh, uh, kind of broke the internet this week was Nick Markakis, uh, his interview talking about uh, the, the Astros sign stealing scandal and, you know, coming out and saying that they uh, deserved a beating, I think was the exact quote, which, um, and I think the most surprising thing about it all is Nick Markakis is not somebody who, who normally speaks out or, or says much. So I think that's why this caught a lot of people off guard. But uh, you know, Seth Carter wrote an article about it on Tomahawk Take, uh, giving his his thoughts on it. 
Uh, so make sure that you go out and read that. But you know, he's not the only one. I saw you know Mike Trout come out as well and and talk about the Astros and kind of lay into them as well, which you know is not typically something that Mike Trout does. He's he's a quiet kind of guy too and doesn't normally talk about other teams or players. Uh, so it was interesting to see that and just to see the you know collective outburst and, and outcry from players around the league just angry at the Astros over this. But uh, the other bit of news that just happened today, Thursday, as we're recording this, is uh, was announced that Kelsey Wingert has been let go by Fox Sports and that um, Kelly Kroll uh, will be taking over for her spot in the broadcast. Uh, a little bit of a surprising uh, move there, and the timing of it's a little a little odd uh, with spring training about to get underway. But those are the, those are the two big news items out of out of Braves camp this week and. Uh, guys, I know we kind of discussed it before, but either of you want to share any more thoughts on that real quick? I think losing Kelsey is a mistake. I'm sure Miss Kroll's good at her job. Uh, the Cubs fans apparently told you who they were, and I have no question. But, but doing it this way, this sort of, hey, spring training is starting, and by the way, you're fired. I, I'm not sure that's really great. And I also wonder, see, Fox, knew, Fox isn't really Fox anymore. It belongs to Sinclair. They got, they got them in the deal when Disney bought all the Fox Sports channels, and since they already own ESPN, they said you can't own all those. So there was an auction. Uh, Liberty Media tried to buy them, but Sinclair Broadcasting uh, ended up winning them. And I'm wondering if maybe that's related to Sinclair, who are – they own a couple of television stations nearby here, and they're notably very – they're so tight they squeak when they walk. So it's I'm wondering if they didn't do some downsizing in the process. But as a fan, as someone who thought Kelsey did a great job, I'm really sorry to see her go. Yeah, no, I think a lot of Braves country shares that opinion. I saw a lot of support for her after uh, she was let go. So I know a lot of know a lot of Braves fans will miss her. But Alan, any any thoughts on those news items for the Braves this week? Well, on Kelsey, it's pretty obvious that nobody pulled the crowd before they decided to offer because she would have gotten an overwhelming show of support, and she is getting a well-deserved overwhelming show of support on Twitter for comments that she's made and, and being gracious about the whole thing. Uh, she will be missed. She will be missed well. And I do hope that she lands on her feet because she has worked for it, earned it, and deserves it. do on this podcast is uh, really just talk through some of the basic spring training stuff. We haven't really done that on a podcast yet and with games uh, starting up this weekend thought we'd go over some of the position battles prospects to keep an eye on and just you know what we're all uh, looking forward to seeing or what we're going to be watching during spring training uh, and I think what is probably going to be the most talked about uh, battle in spring training and I, I know Alan and maybe Fred, you too, don't think this is going to be a battle, but I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the third base spot between Austin Riley and, and Johan Camargo. And I do agree with, with you, Alan. I think it's Camargo's job to lose, but I think it's very losable and I think it's very winnable for Riley. So uh, I, I think there is going to be some competition there, uh, certainly. And again, I think, you know, as you say, I think Camargo has the leg up, but certainly think if Riley shows some improvement, he has a chance to to win that job. So oh, Alan, I'll, I'll start with you on this. 
Uh, I know spring training stats aren't going to mean much, and we may not even be able to tell exactly how much Riley has adjusted, but what do you need to see from either one of these two to feel comfortable about them going into the season? Well, Riley needs to actually play third base and play that consistently to get his glove back in shape because he, although he came up as a third baseman, he had done it in the minors. He actually hasn't played it in the last year and a half or so as they've tried to groom him as a left fielder. So I, I think it may take him a little bit to, to get back and in, in step that way. It may come naturally. It may not. It's it's hard to say. We need to you know, see some actual gameplay to, to see how that's going. But he does have a minor league option or two left, and as a result, he's going to have to go to AAA unless Camargo falls on his face. And I really don't see that happening. I, th- I think uh, for all what we're, we can see and learn in, in spring training, They'll probably both do fairly well. I don't expect that there's going to be anybody who's standing out. I don't, I don't expect Riley to be hitting 15 homers or anything like that this spring. But, yeah, it's going to be one of those things that's just a, a matter of the way the the roster spots go and, and the opportunities for change go because, you know, you got to go with Camargo right now. You're, you're paying him a little more and you can, uh, certainly, uh, drop Riley back to Gwinnett to make sure he gets his reps in so that he's ready whenever it's the path of least resistance, but sometimes you got to walk that path. Yeah. Fred, kind of same question to you. What are you looking for from these guys in spring training? If anything, or do you think it's just a done deal? Well, I think Camargo gets the, gets the initial nod unless, he does something really strange in spring training or gets hurt. As Alan said, he's the experienced, he's older guy. He's been there. He had the job in 18. Um, and I think there's some feeling that, you know, he's going to be the one who's going to be dependable in this. He's going to at least make all the plays. Uh, he comes in like 15 to 18 pounds lighter and ripped according to everything. I haven't seen the pictures and maybe I don't need to, but apparently he's, he's buffed out and uh, they put Riley and Camargo's lockers right next to each other at Northport, which is interesting. Riley said he likes it. Nobody's told me what Camargo says about that, but I think Riley's got to learn to hit breaking pitches. And I'm not sure how he does that in spring training because a lot of these pitchers are just, you know, where's, which way is home plate and can I get my fastball there? And maybe they're going to throw off speed pitches. He, I just wonder if he's going to get enough of a variety of pitch to see that it will make a difference. Now, we've seen this happen before. Right? If, if he comes out and he just he hits everything that comes to the plate hard, he could force his way at third base and then create a big problem for the roster because they've already got five outfielders and they've signed Hetzberia. Uh, and if he forces his way up, what do they do with uh, Johan? So uh, I think it begins with Camargo at third base, and if it doesn't work, uh, then they'll go to Riley and they'll shake the roster up at that point. But other than that, you know, I, I want both of them to succeed. I really do. It's just that, you know, it's, it's hard to hard to say in spring training what anybody's going to do. I do like the fact that Riley came into camp sort of channeling his inner Josh Donaldson saying things like, hey, I'm through with this rookie stuff. I'm ready to get going. I want to show that I can compete. I can show that I can hit. That's a great sign, but of course now he has to follow through on it. He did play 30 games at at Gwinnett at third base last year. Ah, very good. Thanks. My bad. 
Yeah, no, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine at third base defensively. I, that's not my concern. I think it's mainly just working on the breaking ball and, and recognizing it. Um, and I'm my relationship with Riley's been a little up and down. I was not high on him, you know, before last season. I would have traded him for Real Muto if that was the asking price then. And then when he came up, I was starting to eat crow, and then he he fell into the tank. And and now I, I I'm more optimistic about him than ever. I I don't know why. I guess just seeing the guy and. Uh, hearing him talk and seeing how motivated he was this off season, uh, after you know knowing how badly he played in the second half, I'm I'm just optimistic about what he can do. But uh, I'm on the same page with both of you. I do think you know it's Camargo's job to lose, and I think you will start the season at third base um, because I think it's gonna I think Riley's gonna have to go down to to see some actual in game, real game pitching uh, in the minors before we really know if he's made that adjustment. But I still feel like Riley's going to have a big year, and I want his his big bat in the lineup, especially with Donaldson gone. I know Azuna's there to bring some power, um, but if you can add Riley in there, another you know 25, 30 home run bat, you know that just makes the lineup even more dangerous. So I'm optimistic about Riley. I think ultimately he he takes a third base job and runs with it. You know maybe after the, the first month or two of the season, but yeah, I think. Going into spring training, I think it is Camargo's job to lose, and I, I think he probably does start the season at third base. On the last podcast, we talked a lot about uh, the battles in the starting rotation with Cole Hamels going down and there now being two spots available. I think we were pretty much all on the same page saying that, you know, Sean Newcomb will likely get the fourth spot and, and Kyle Wright's the favorite for the fifth spot. But uh, I wanted to bring it up again since we are doing a, our spring training preview to either of you feel differently that or do you still feel that same way well i read something that um uh, they're really impressed with dela cruz uh, but i don't uh, i don't see him making an impact i still think you know it's going to be nanukum and Wright uh, fighting it out for the for the fifth spot and one of them is going to get the fourth spot at least initially until hamels comes back the dela cruz thing they were just they said he came on uh, in the spring, one of the one of the articles I was reading, I guess it was in the Athletic, uh, it was probably O'Brien that uh, was talking about Dela Cruz had impressed Snitker and the other coaches this spring with how far he's come. That's sort of what we heard, I guess, about Patrick Weigel two years ago, where he had come forward and he had he had made a leap and nobody expected it. Now they liked Dela Cruz anyway, so maybe it wasn't as big a jump, but he's apparently uh, his live batting practice and his pitching. Uh, his, uh, his bullpens have looked really good enough to make them make public statements about how well he's done. So for me, that's a, that's interesting because that sort of moves him up the pecking order a bit in in at least the spring training context. They're going to they're going to pitch him more and they want to see more of what he does. So you may see him coming in earlier in games, the second pitcher rather than the fourth pitcher in a game. But that's the only uh, that's the only one I've seen anything else about. Yeah, Alan, anybody from, from you that you see differently or you still feel pretty good about Nuku and Wright getting those last two spots? I do, although it's interesting that I haven't heard it much about either one of those two guys in terms of the live BPs they've thrown or anything else like that. I've seen things about Max Fried and how sharp he looks already, but I don't see anything about Newcomb. I don't see anything about Kyle Wright. It, it's kind of odd, but at the same time, nothing really matters until we get them on the field and see what they do against live action. The uh, Snicker said he's still trying to figure out how the rotation is going to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he's he's as far out there as anyone 
as any of us on this thing, he's still trying to put it together. I mean, I'm sure he's got some kind of idea, but he wants to get these kids up and get a good look at them. And Dela Cruz is on the list here. It, it is in the athletic piece that he's on the list and you're going to see more of him. Yeah. And you mentioned Max Freed. I think maybe we should talk about him for just a second here because he is getting a lot of love. I know earlier this month we posted an article. There was a projection site that had him being the Braves top uh, pitcher this year. Uh, and then I, I wrote posted an article today that came from the MLB.com article talking about uh, Max Freed being a dark horse candidate for the NL Cy Young Award. Um, and obviously a, a dark horse is a dark horse. That doesn't mean that he's a, a likely or, or even a favorite. But Max Freed is getting a, a seems to be getting a lot of love going into this year. I mean, that would be obviously huge for the Braves if he turns into that top of the rotation guy. And I certainly think he's capable of it. But Alan, I'll give it back to you. What are what are your thoughts on Max Freed and just the the height that he could go to this season? All right, Freed had the innings last year. He got the experience. He's he's set new career highs and and wins and and innings, and he's gotten the experience now. Now's the year to build on that. I think he can go out there. He's clearly got the stuff. He's got the moxie. He needs to do things like putting back-to-back shutdown starts together, doing ace-like things as being a stopper against a team that's hot. That kind of thing is the next step, and I do definitely think he's got the ability to be able to do that. And if he can put it all together, I think that the Braves will really have something. Whether he wins the Cy Young or not, not worried about that. Uh, especially in this division where you got guys like DeGrom and Scherzer and, and Strasburg. No big deal there. The fact that he'd be in the conversation is good enough for me. Yeah, Fred, what's your take on, on Freed? I know in the, the MLB.com article they likened his curveball to, to Kershaw's and talking about his great spin rate. You think he's got a shot at the, the Cy Young this year? Well, I don't know about I don't know about that. I, I was just looking at the projections and they show him with you know a three three five three point five ERA three point five three point six. If he does that, yeah, he's in the he's in the in the contest. But as long as Mad Max and is out there, uh, it's going to be a fight. And Jacob Degrom, <laughs> what I'll, full disclosure here? Two years ago, I said that uh, when I watched Max Freed, I saw Steve Avery, and and if you know uh, and that. That's pretty high praise for me because I really love Steve Avery on the mound. He's he's got that he comes on the left side first off. Most left-handers don't throw nearly as hard as Freed does, uh, and they don't expect that. As he's sneaky fast, he throws that big loop that, that big curve on you, and you're waiting for that pitch, and it comes out of his hand and looks like a it looks like a regular fastball and it sh- skips by you at 95, uh, and all of a sudden you don't know how fast it's coming. So. I, I love Max Freed. I've, I've liked him since the first two times I saw him pitch in the minors, and uh, I think that uh, I think he's going to be good. Now, whether he's going to win the Cy Young or not, I don't know, but I think he's the better of the two left-handers we have. And I think having Cole Hamels, uh, who it resembles him in size and, and pitch mix, if you think back to Cole Hamels in, say, 2008, you could see how Hamels could help Freed move along his way because there's so much alike in pitch mix and size and the way they work that uh, I think he's going to be really good for the for uh, Freed this year and make him better. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about Freed. I mean, we know Soroka. We all feel pretty confident about him being a top-of-the-rotation guy. And if you compare that with Freed and perhaps Ian Anderson makes his debut sometime this year and he becomes a top-of-the-rotation guy, then you know, perhaps we're looking at, at our next big three for, for the next decade here, and that would certainly be something exciting 
Uh, and hey, Bryce see. Wilson was impressing people in batting practice too this week. So yeah, there's there's another name for you. No, yeah. a third pitch. Yeah. Don't, yeah get well. Brett, don't get Brett started on, on that. One. talk about just some of the last couple of spots uh, on the roster and don't forget the uh, roster is expanding to 26 uh, this year I know Fred wrote an article a couple weeks ago uh, maybe last week talking about it a little bit and going into more detail on it but uh, there will be a 26-man roster uh, this season Uh, but really most of the Braves roster spots are are locked up at this point Uh, Matthew Browning wrote an article uh, today Thursday uh, talking about some sleepers who could make the team. Uh, but in there, he kind of laid out who he, he pretty much thought were locks to make the team. So I wanted to, to give you what Matthew wrote and kind of see if you had the same thoughts. And then we can talk about who maybe gets those last few spots. So at catcher, you got Travis Darno and Tyler Flowers. For infielders, you got Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Johan Camargo, and Adani Hechveria. Outfielders, Marcelo Zuna. Ender Enciarte, Ronald Acuna, and Nick Marcakis. Uh, starting pitchers, Mike, Mike, Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Mike Fultonavich, and Sean Newcomb. And then in the bullpen, Will Smith, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day, Jacob Webb, and Luke Jackson. Uh, now, one name that's obvious that was omitted there was, was Adam Duvall, uh, which you know I think is an interesting move there, and I, I think that certainly could happen, but um, that leaves three spots uh, for grabs if you're not including Adam Duvall. And so there's just a couple of spots left. But do, do you guys agree that those guys are pretty much locks for the, the opening day roster right now? Yeah, probably. Cause, but I would also throw in Duvall because I, I think he is the odds-on favorite to take one of the slots. Charlie Culberson is a candidate for one of the other ones. Uh, and the other one that he didn't include would have been a fifth starter, so that's whoever wins that spot. I don't see a lot of competition personally there, but, I mean, somebody could step up, I suppose, and, and do something, but I would think it would happen more, more on the pitching side than it would be the position players. The only other position players I, I think might have a shot would be Solarte and Alonzo, but probably not either one of those to be honest so that's that's my look at it in any case yeah there really really aren't a lot of roster battles there like you said i think everything's pretty much locked up i think culberson and salarte like you said are probably fighting for that final bench spot Uh, and then i think the other spot you know obviously you got to get a fifth starter in there but and then you could go with you know relief pitcher as well you can um, have one more in there but fred uh, anything to that, all that sound good to you? Or is there anybody else you think that could sneak in there and get a rotation spot? I don't know. I mean, I was looking at roster resource who have Felix Hernandez plugged in there basically because he's Felix Hernandez. I think, I, I think that they brought back Josh Tomlin for a reason. I'm not sure, uh, if the reason was a good one or not, but I look, I'm looking at this and, and they may, they may bring him in to start the season just because of the of the starter issue. I don't see any kids making the young, any of the younger players breaking through. And I don't think, uh, Solarte, I don't, I'm sure Alonzo doesn't make through unless something drastic happens. And I, I, Solarte 
you know, three years ago, he was really good. Uh, then he just fell off the cliff. And I, so I don't see him coming back at all. And I, I had a chuckle when I looked at uh, Mark Bowman's piece who mentioned Rafael Ortega, <laughs> please. Uh, you know, um, I don't know what he's smoking, but somebody will take it away from him. Um, I, and I don't, you know, I like Charlie Culberson, but I don't think he makes it either. The, I could see him being there, but as soon as Riley's ready, uh, he's gone. And it may be such a thing as that they, they add, they have a sixth starter for the first round. And then when, when, uh, Hamels comes back, they send him down, but, uh, I, I just, I don't really think there's that much of a battle going on and somewhere along the line, there's gotta be room for, you know, we, we all hope Riley's going to go down and, you know, spend, you know, six weeks down there and be, uh, we're going to get begging letters from AAA to have him bring him to the major leagues before he hurts somebody. So, um, at some point he's going to come up, we hope, and that that's going to shake everything up again. But I, again, I don't see anybody breaking out of camp uh, and making it making an impact. Yeah, no, I think I think we're we're all pretty much on the same page there. There's uh, the roster spots seem to be pretty tight as it is. I, and well, that's it. The 40 man roster would have to be jumbled if you brought in any of these wild card kind of guys. And right now, we don't really want to lose any of those 40 man guys unless there's a trade coming, which is. You know, you got to throw that out as a possibility because we've certainly got depth all over the place. So there I don't you go. think anything happens in spring training unless it's something completely off the wall. Agree. Like we were talking about earlier on. Agree. But uh, yeah, at the same time, at least we're positioned to do that if something crazy happens. So there you go. Yeah. The only only move I would see there would be if somebody, you know, needed an outfielder and, and Duvall became expendable. You know, and that way you could you could even keep Riley up if you wanted to, if he was having a good spring and he could play in the outfield some. But I still think that's a long shot. And I think the best thing for Riley is to get every day at bats in AAA. But I could see, you know, Duvall being moved, nothing major happening. But talking about the young guys, and I know, you know I don't think any of us think any of them are going to break camp uh, with the team. You know, but beyond kind of the big three, the – Ian Anderson, Christian Pache, Drew Waters. Are there any other young guys that you're really excited to see uh, get some playing time this spring? I want to see Bryce Ball hit. He he looks he's starting to sound like our version of Aaron Judge <laughs> to some extent. He hit ball, ball go far. Uh, it was the other day, I, I guess last week, that Albies and Acuna were at, had finished their BPs and were arguing about uh, who hit the ball further. And then Bryce Ball walks into the, the the cage and then hits three balls in a row in the same spot that they were arguing about. So you know, <laughs> he's got some he's got some carry on his balls, and I want I would like to just see his uh, batting when, whenever we could get an opportunity to see him on TV. Yeah, no, that's certainly a good one. I, you know, saw the the BP uh, video of him, and he's certainly got a lot of love since the Braves drafted him in the past draft. And you know, I heard somebody say, you know, if the DH is coming to the NL, we may have our DH uh, for the next decade already uh, in place. But uh, obviously, can't guarantee that or, or hope on that. But he certainly seems like a, a promising uh, prospect at this point, a big bat. But uh, Fred, anybody from your side or from your end that you're looking forward to seeing uh, in spring? I jump on the Bryce Ball bandwagon. I uh, loved him when I did the when I did the draft and started watching him hit and, and in the in the few videos I could find and reading about him. 
And uh, he's one of the guys Bowman said uh, had drawn big looks at uh, in, in spring training. It was impressing people, as Alan said, with how far he could hit the ball. Um, but the, the comment was, well, <clears throat> he's a first baseman, and we have a guy there. So <laughs> I... You may have I, heard I of him. <laughs> I, I, and again, he's not on the roster, and Alan's correct. The roster is is packed, and somebody would have to somebody would have to go bye bye, which would almost be, be certainly me a trade or one of the veterans gets uh, designated. Uh, and I just don't uh, I just don't think there's room right now for anything. I think the forty or the forty forty, and I don't see any of them pushing up uh, at all. But I I I want to watch ball hit as well uh, live. Uh, and, uh, just, it's just, he hit the ball so far in those videos. I thought I was going to catch it in my living room. So I, I, I want to see him do it for real. Hey, there's another thing that I wanted to see, and this is lower longer term probably, but I want to see what the reactions are to Braden Shoemaker and what he can do. He's been invited to camp and he could be the heir apparent to shortstop. If Dansby starts faltering again, because I don't, think that there's a long-term love for for Dansby right now unless he breaks out this year or or, or next or at least shows some signs that he's uh, gotten over some of his injuries or yips and shows what he can really do so yeah I I, I'm curious to see him in in terms of not this year but one or two years down the road yeah that's a good point you bring up in Shoemaker because uh yeah this is kind of a make or break year for Dansby and if you know, I, I'm a bit huge Dansby fan. I want to see him break out. I think, you know, his his leadership on the team is huge. I know Fred's talked about that before. Um, you know, when he's playing well, I, I think it just energizes the rest of the team. So I want to see him succeed. But, uh, you know, you're right. If if it's not going to be him, you know, then you got to start looking towards the future. And perhaps Shoemaker uh, is that guy. But uh, I'll go a little different direction than, than you two. I, I want to see some of the, the pitchers. I want to see... Uh, Kyle Mueller, I've heard a lot about him and uh, just, you know, some of his off-season, off-season workouts. And I didn't realize how big he was. I saw a video of him uh, today throwing some BP, and he's a he's a big old guy. So uh, I'm excited to, to hopefully see him throw a little bit and see what, what he can do um, this spring. And, you know, got a couple other pitchers as well, um, you know, that, I, that I'd like to see get on the mound and get my eyes on them. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think those are the, the main guys, you know, obviously we want to see Ian Anderson. We want to see Christian Pache and, and Drew Waters. And, uh, cause I think, I think at least two of those guys we'll see up at some point this year with the, with the big league club making an impact. So, uh, hopefully we get a good, good long look at them, um, this spring, but, uh, is there anything else that you guys will be focusing on this spring that we haven't talked about that? Uh, you'll be keeping your eyes on, and Fred, I'll start with you. Well, I want to see Enciarte um, uh, doing um, doing his thing in spring. Um, he he knows he knows he's got to go out, come out hot. He can't stumble out the box, or he'll lose his job, and and he'll end up in that trade piece. And I and I'm a big fan of Enciarte in center field because without him, that means you got to move. Ronnie back to center field, Acuna back to center field. That makes right field weaker. And I saw a quote today from Acuna that said, hey, right field's my favorite place to play. And let's put him there and leave him there. And we'll find somebody to play center field. Um, I, I, I think it's, I want NCRT to be that guy because he makes 
because he's got a first of all he's got Ozuna on in left field and he's going to have to cover some of that, uh, <laughs> and and secondly because he's been so good for the team since he came over, I I want to see players perform as they can and doing their thing that Mega made us love him when they came over and Ozuna uh, uh, Enciarte has been that guy. He's been a big smile and happy face in the outfield and that, uh, that fake out he made this first season up there, where's the ball, where's the ball and throw the guy out at first base. That was, that was great. Uh, and he's the kind of guy, he, he fits right in with the uh, Acuna and Albies and that young crowd, even though he's an older guy, he's got that same kind of spirit. So I want to see him do well. I want to see Darno uh, doing what everybody thinks he can do. And, uh, you know, that's about it. I mean, I, the pitching sort of, I think, is shaking itself out. I want to see Dela Cruz now, obviously. But uh, most of them, is, I want to see the guys who are, who need to do good, Enciarte, Camargo, Riley, uh, uh, play play well and give us uh, confidence that they're going to be ready for us this year. Um, and then I want to see Bryce Ball hit a few balls, see if I can catch him out here in Abilene. <laughs> Yeah, Alan, anybody else that you're uh, you're looking forward to watching? Or, or is there anything else from spring training just in particular that you'll be keeping an eye on? I know. I think Fred named everybody on the <laughs> roster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I agree. I want to see these guys make the decisions hard. I want to see these guys play well. We've talked about the kind of depth that the Braves have on this roster. Let's actually have that real depth, which means guys that are performing well all the way across the diamond. And that's what we need to see. We need to see the pitching staff that's solid, healthy, and comes into the uh, the, the regular season on on a high note. I want to see some of these guys. Well, I mean, you don't want you don't care about wins in spring training, but I would like to see that the the regulars are are knocking in runs. I want to see that the regulars are striking out hitters on the mound, and I, I want to see these guys come into the season sharp because April's going to be a crucial month. The, the schedule, if anything, is a little on the soft side and they need to really do something about it. I don't know that you call it a soft schedule per se. I mean, they start in San Diego and Arizona and both those teams are going to be a little unpredictable, but at the same time, you want these guys ready to go when the bell rings. And I want, I want to see that happen. Yeah. NC Arte is the one that that Fred said, even though I've probably written five articles trying to trade him away, I, I love the guy and I think the Braves are a better team with him and, and center. I know a lot of people don't agree with that out there, but uh, I think NCRT is huge on this team on, you know, the second half of 2018 after having a terrible first half, I'll never forget, you know, the spark that he gave that lineup and just, um, you know, the camaraderie that he had with the guys in the dugout, you know, with Acuna and, and Albies, you know, and just having fun and enjoying the game and, and being a real, a uh, good clubhouse guy. You not to say that he wasn't last year, but it's hard when you're not playing and you're not playing well. Um, so to see Enziarte get back to being that guy, I think could be huge for the Braves. Uh, so I'm really want to see that. I want to see him have a good spring and get out to a good start. He's obviously had issues getting out to to good starts uh, in the season. So I think that'll be something big for him. And uh, I'm also excited to see Freddie Freeman. I mean. Uh, the guy said he hasn't been healthy and for nine years and to put up the numbers that he has, you know, while not being, you know, fully healthy and to say that he is now, I mean, uh, that, that sounds scary to me. And so I'm, I'm expecting big things from Freddie this year, obviously, you know, the way the season ended and him taking a lot of criticism and, and rightfully so to some degree, um, you know, I think he, he's a little motivated 
Um, and I think he's going to come out and, and have a big year. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit of that in spring training, but but hopefully more of that during the season. I don't really need to see as much of that in spring, but uh, but I do want to uh, do. I am excited to see him him fully healthy and, and out there. Um, yeah, let me uh, let me underline something that uh, Fred said a minute ago. If Enciarte is healthy and starts the vast majority of games in center field, and Acuna starts the vast majority of games in right field, they both win Gold Gloves. If Enciarte doesn't uh, start the majority of the games in center field, nobody wins a gold glove. Right. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, I think we're all on the same page there. I'm okay if I never see Acuna in center field again. Not that he's terrible out there, but he's just, and it's a small sample size, but he looked so good in right field last year. And I think that's, you know, where he belongs. He, you know, as Fred said, that's where he feels comfortable. So, I hope we stick him there and leave him there. If you want to put him in center for, you know, maybe 10, 15 games a year uh, just to get a, another bat in the lineup or something, then that's fine. But hopefully it's no more than that. And hopefully he stays on right. Cause like you said, um, we got, we got, you know, two thirds of a gold glove outfield with, um, if we got Enciarte in center and Acuna in right. So yeah. hopefully that's the way that it, it shakes out. But, as I said, spring training games are getting started this weekend, so we will get to see, start to see some of these guys and get to see some some actual baseball action. So uh, make sure that you uh, stay tuned in to the Tomahawk Take podcast. We'll continue to uh, bring you new podcasts every week uh, as we go through spring training and update you on some of the position battles. And then also make sure that you check out TomahawkTake.com uh, as we have daily articles updating you on everything happening in, in spring training, uh, make sure that you subscribe to Tomahawk Take on Twitter uh, at Tomahawk Take FS. And that'll do it for this uh, edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, spring training preview. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. This 2020 spring training preview edition of Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of their participants. All rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and features selections by Kevin McLeod entitled Groundwork, Sovereign, Hillbilly Swing, and Amazing Plan. His works are featured at filmmusic.io and via his own website at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you outpitch your peripherals every day.